0: Hi everybody, this is Greg Ozenkiewski with the Ross Video Graphics team, and today we're going to take a look at how we can use the expression encoder with expression Tester one. Now the first thing to remember when working with the expression encoder is that the encoder runs as a service. And if that service is not running, we will not be able to configure the encoder and we will not be able to use the encoder. So the first thing we need to do is start that service. And I can do that by going down to my start menu selecting my start button and typing in encoder. Now we can see that that has given me three different options. The first one is the encoder manager. Now the encoder manager is an application which will allow us to configure the encoder, but it will also allow us to monitor any of the tasks that the encoder is completing. The next shortcut we have here is an option to stop the encoder service and finally an option to start the encoder service. Now these are three shortcuts that we're going to be using pretty frequently when we're using Tessera 1. So rather than always going to my start menu, I would like to add these shortcuts to my desktop. And I can do that by going to the open file location option. And we can see that as I've done that, that has shown me my three shortcuts for the encoder manager and starting and stopping service. So to add these shortcuts to my desktop, I'm going to select the encoder manager I'm going to hold shift and select the stop encoder shortcut. And once I have all three of those shortcuts selected, I'm going to right click and use the option of sending to my desktop. So once I've done that, we can go back to my desktop and what we should see is three new icons, which will start the encoder, stop the encoder, and finally open the encoder manager. Now, the next important thing to remember about the expression encoder is that it is a resource hog. So if we are using expression Tester one in a production environment, we need to make sure that the expression encoder is not running. So we need to make sure that we stop the encoder service before we use Tester one in a production environment. So now that we have configured these uh, shortcuts on our desktop, we can go ahead and start the encoder service by double clicking on that shortcut. The encoder service will start up and we will get a pop-up dialogue in the center of our screen saying that the encoder service has successfully started. And once we get that pop-up, we can go ahead and open up the encoder manager. Now, by default, once we open up the encoder manager, we will be on the tasks tab. And this is where we can monitor any of the jobs, any of the tasks uh, that the encoder is working on. So as we ingest some clips into our watch folders, we will see the status of each of, those, uh, each of those tasks on this tab. But what I'm going to look at first is the configuration tab. Now, I have some basic configuration in here because I have loaded in the Tessera 1 base encoder configuration. But we're going to go through each of these tabs to see how we can add on to this base configuration and how we can make changes. So in the encoder manager on the configuration tab, we're actually going to start all the way on the right hand side. Rather than starting with our sources tab, we're going to jump to our engine tab. Now the engine tab is an optional tab. This is where we can enter in some information about the encoder engine. And I will enter in a name of test one. We can have a location. This might be the rack room um, that this system is, um, is wrapped in. This could be uh, you know, one of the buildings in your, in your location. Really, whatever you guys want to add into the descriptive fields here, that's totally up to you. The next section we have is our mail server configuration. Now, this is a system that we have which will notify specific users when a job has completed or when a task has failed. Now, I won't go through this configuration today, but if you're looking for the information required to configure the mail server section, uh, you can reach out to your local IT or email administrator. Once I've entered in all of the configuration options, all of the descriptive fields that I want on this tab, I need to make sure that I go to the bottom right and hit OK. And that's going to make sure that any of the uh, descriptive fields, any of the information that I've entered onto this tab will be saved. Once I'm happy with my Engine tab, I can move over to the Users tab. Now, again, this is another optional tab. And if we have skipped the mail server configuration, we can go ahead and skip the Users Configuration tab altogether. Continuing with our encoder configuration, as we move to the left, we're now at our Projects tab. Now, the projects in encoder is a way for us to organize all of the content going into our expression clip store on top of that it's a way for us to filter down all of our clip store content when we're browsing our clip store browser so if we go over to expression tester one i have my clip browser down at the bottom here and i have all of my clip content but if i expand my filter options here i can now filter through any of the available clips in my clip store and that'll cut down the amount of content that I see in my Clip browser. So jumping back to the encoder uh, configuration here, if I wanted to add a new project, I can do that by going down to the bottom left, selecting the Add button, and now naming my project. And I might want to name this something like Stills. The next section we have here is the option to auto-assign auto-incrementing recall IDs. And I'm actually going to leave this blank for now because we're going to use a different recall ID option a little bit later in the configuration. The next option we have here is to notify users on a completed task or on a failed task. And if we didn't go through the configuration of the mail server or of the users, we can skip this configuration as well. Once I'm happy with the project that I've created and the settings that I've configured, I can hit OK, and I now have a third uh, project in my Intoto Manager. Continuing to move to the left, the next tab is the Targets tab. Now, this is a, a section where we can configure the destination for these clips. Now, by default, I have a clip store, and that is pointing to Local code, which means that is the clip store living on this Tesra 1 engine. But what we can do is we can create secondary targets as well. So I'm going to go to the bottom left and select Add and I'm going to create a new target, but this time, rather than using the expression clip store, I'm going to use just a folder that I've created. So I will call this local folder. Uh, For the type, this will not be a clip store, but it will be a folder. And if I open up my file explorer, I can now navigate to whatever folder I want these clips to be sent to. So I'm gonna go to my D drive, I'm going to create a new folder and call that encoder Once I hit OK, we can see that that is put in the file path into my folder um, edit box, and we can hit OK on that configuration. Taking a look at our targets list, we now have a local clip store, our Tessera 1 clip store, and we also have the local folder that we just created. Now that we've created all of our targets, we can move over to the processors tab. Now an encoder processor is first of all, a group of targets. But second of all, it's also a group of ingest rules. Now we have a single processor so far called standard, and if we look at our targets list, we only have a single target of the Tessera One Clip Store. So any clips that are ingested into the watch folders that use this processor will only be sent out to the Tessera One Clip Store target. But I'm going to create a second processor that's not only going to send the clip to the clip store, but also send the clip to my local folder. So by going to the bottom left of the interface, I will select the Add button and I will create a new processor. And I will call this Double Destination. So now that I've named my processor, we can go through some of the configuration. The first checkbox here is to re-encode files that are already in the expression codec. I'm going to leave this one disabled. The next option we have is the option to re-encode still images as TGA for faster playback. That is something I want, so I'll check that one. I am not using a MOS workflow with Tessera 1, so I don't need to worry about my clip proxies. Uh, I'm not restricting the size of the content going into this uh, this processor, so I don't need to worry about um, forcing a clip failure if it's not an exact dimension. And finally, I'm not going to reject any clips uh, that have a larger dimension of X and Y. Once I've gone through my options, the next set of options I have is my codec configuration. So am I working with 8-bit or 10-bit clips? Do I want to force the quality level? What about the color space and what about the gamma? Color? So these are all options that we can set on a per processor basis. Once we've finished with our configuration at the top, we can move down to our targets. And this is where we can add any of the targets, any of the destinations for these clips once they've made their way through and so I'm going to first add the Tesser 1 Clip Store, And second, I will add the local uh, encoder out folder, which I've created. Finally, the last configuration step we have on our processors tab is region mapping. Do we want to set up any splicing or subdividing rules for any of the content that we ingest into these processors? Now, I'm not going to go over this feature today, but there is a very good uh, expression new video covering this feature online. So definitely check that out. Once I'm happy with my configuration, I can hit OK in the bottom right. And once I see the name change in my processors list, I know that that uh, information has been saved to the processor. Now that we are finished with our processors configuration, we can move over to the final tab in the encoder, which is the Sources tab. Now the Sources tab will allow us to configure and create watch folders, which is a starting point for any asset going through the encoder users will drop their assets into the watch folder, the encoder manager will gobble them up, and we will drop uh, the completed file into whatever target is assigned to the watch folder. So the first thing we can do here is go to the bottom left corner and add a new source. Now, working off of my stills project, I will create a stills watch folder. And under the folder, this is where I can actually create the folder of where I'm going to be dropping any of these assets. So continuing with my file structure here, I'm going to go to D, Watch Folders, and I will create a new folder called Stills. Once I hit OK, we can see that that file path has populated my folder edit box, and we can continue with the configuration. The next option we have here is a processor. So what is the processor, the group of targets that we want to have associated with this watch folder? Now, I'm going to use the double destination and again, if we remember correctly, that is sending one clip to our clip store and sending a copy of that to a local um, output folder. After our processor selection, we can select a project. And for this uh, watch folder, I'll be using my stills project. Next, we have the priority. So if we want one watch folder to have a resource priority over another watch folder, we can set the priority level uh, in this dropdown menu here. Continuing with our configuration, the next option we have is our Recall ID parsing. Now, if we remember correctly, I declined to assign auto incrementing Recall IDs because I wanted to use this feature here. When Recall ID is empty, use the file name as Recall ID. Now, if you're not familiar with Recall IDs, it is a way for us to recall specific clips from the Expression Clip Store, and we can actually build that into our Expression Templates, so that is totally dynamic. Continuing down with our default clip store metadata, we have some options here to set a looping attribute, set a hold last frame attribute, and if we're working with image sequences, we can set the default frame rate for those image sequences. Finally, we have some folder options on where we'd like to move these files um, as they're being moved through the encoder. I'm going to leave these um, as default, but one of the important ones is on completion. Do we want to move the the original file somewhere else? Do we want to delete the original file? I will leave that up to you guys, but I will leave this as the default. Once we're happy with our configuration, again, we need to go hit OK and make sure that all of those configuration changes that we've made have been saved. Taking a look at our sources here, we now have our stills source with our stills watch folder sending to our double destination processor using our stills project. Now that we're finished with the configuration of the encoder, let's drop an asset into the stills watch folder and see what happens as it moves its way through the encoder. So the first thing I need to do is grab an asset to drop into that watch folder. I'm going to copy this asset, navigate to my stills watch folder, open up my stills watch folder, and paste this uh, into my watch folder. Now once the encoder manager picks up this asset, it's going to create a few folders for us. It's first going to create a queued folder. It's then going to move that asset into a processing folder. And then once the job is completed, once the task is finished, the original asset will be in our completed folder. Now, because I use the double destination processor, I'm going to have this asset in two new places. The first one is my local folder, my encoder out folder. And the second one is in my Expression Clip Store. So if I go to the Expression Test 1 Sequencer under my Clip Browser, I should now be able to filter to my stills project, and I now have the asset that I just ingested into that watch folder. If we now navigate to the Encoder Manager, we should now see the status of that task on the Tasks tab in the bottom left. So we can see that the state of this job is finished. We can see the source file name, the processor, the total transcode time, and finally the result, which is completed, which is successful. Thanks for watching, everybody.